The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The nail in the coffin! Welcome, everyone, to the debut edition of The Nail in the Coffin. This is a Cleveland sports podcast. I am Tom Valentino, and I am joined by Travis Uli. Hey, now. Hey, uh, buddy, we've been talking about trying to do this thing for a while now, and uh, as we finally hit record, I'm uh, excited to finally get it going. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. All right, so uh, just a little background on us. I'm guessing it's mostly uh, friends and family that are listening to this uh, first app, but... Uh, I, uh, I'm a big podcast listener. Uh, Travis, uh, you're probably one of the most outspoken critics of local sports talk radio on Twitter that I know. So, uh, Yeah, I tend to get into it a little bit, but <laughs> they make it too easy sometimes. It's, you know, it, it is. It's shooting fish in a barrel. But, uh, you know, the old saying, uh, if you want a job done right, you got to go out and do it yourself. So you uh, what do you say we give this a shot and see how we can do? Let's go. All right. Uh, a few ground rules just to give everybody uh, understanding of what we're going to be doing. Um, we're going to try to put one of these out per week, uh, probably go about 30, um, 30 to 45 minutes. Um, most weeks, I think we might try to go earlier in the week. Uh, but, uh, we'll, uh, as we go along, we're pretty much going to mostly cover, uh, Browns, Cavs, Indians, Buckeyes. Uh, I don't know. We'll always get super deep into X's and O's. Um, we are, uh, we're not broadcasters, uh, by trade and we're not audio technicians. So this is going to be a little bit of a learning process and we're going to be, working out the kinks as we go and um i'm guessing if you're listening to this first episode it's probably going to be on um on the blog right now uh working on getting it up to itunes don't know if the first episode is going to be on itunes right off the bat but uh it's going to be soon so uh give us a listen as we go here and uh, if you like what you hear uh share a link uh out to the blog on um your uh, facebook twitter tell your friends and family and uh we'll see how we do all right, so let's get into it. Uh, kick it off here with the Cavs. Uh, Travis, our long Northeast Ohio nightmare is over. Uh, Tristan Thompson finally signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, what do you think? Well, I'll be honest. I, it, it, I guess it's great news. I, I knew it was eventually going to happen, and I, in all honesty, leading up to the start of the season, I wasn't even really thinking about, oh, is Tristan Thompson going to be there? I don't know about you. It was just one of these things where, yeah, eventually he'll sign. If not, we'll still be fine. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just weird in that you knew, I mean, he was never going to go anywhere else. He he was always going to be ending up with the Cavs. Uh, he didn't really have any other realistic options. And I just, as this whole thing played out over the summer, I mean, I always take the, the reported contract offer numbers with a grain of salt because I think there's a lot more happening behind the scenes that we don't know about and sure. that's a lot of posturing that's going on out in public but the two numbers that you seem to hear over and over again were that the Cavs were offering 80 million dollars over five years 
and uh, Tristan and his camp wanted 94 million. And um, I guess in the court of public opinion, getting 82 seems to be closer to the Cavs end of things. But um, I, I, I don't know. I, I just every time it seemed like any sort of um, uh, news or, or information was leaking out on those negotiations, it always seemed to be something that was done in order to try to manufacture some leverage for Tristan and Rich Paul as agent and that whole camp when they really, they had none. So I think the biggest thing I was, I noticed at least was at least my assumption in this case is the Cavs probably held pretty firm with that five at 80. And that seems, it seems probably high if anything, if you're looking at it in a vacuum and you're not looking at it in terms of what he means to the team and what else he would do elsewhere. And my assumption is just that they probably threw an extra two million just to like allow Tristan and Rich Paul to save face here, and they yeah. can still come away with it saying they won, even yeah. though for all intents and purposes it's the same deal they got offered six six months ago. Yeah, and and, and I think that um, it, it definitely seems like a lot of money now, and at the same time, um, if you and I know Demarcus Cousins. Um, from the Kings. Uh, yeah, he'll get his in a year or two. Yeah, Bo- Boogie was already tweeting last night, he, um, astounded by the number. But if you really look at the salary cap and the way it's going to jump uh, here in the next year or two, it, it's going to be a much, much more, it's all relative. And that number is not going to seem nearly as outrageous as what some less talented guys are going to be getting here in the next couple of years. So um, pay I, think a little bit. I think it's still hard to stomach. $16.5 million to a guy who can't score most of the game and you can't have on the floor in the fourth quarter. He'll be playing a lot in the fourth, I think. Um, you can't You can't put – they'll just follow him and put him at the line. I don't think you can really afford to have him on the floor. Which which hands are you going to shoot the free throws with? Yeah, it's about <laughs> The one that's 58% or the one that's 62%? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair. But he, the thing that I, I, I came back to and why I'm okay with them spending – that much money on a guy who's not going to start and who you, you probably need to be at least a little bit concerned about with the foul shooting and crunch time is you look at the way the Cavs roster is built and, and you look at who they're counting on for big production and you look at their injury history. I love Kevin Love and um, Anderson Verizhao is another guy who, you know, a very popular, beloved guy here who stuck through um, some really awful years. And it's nice to see that at the back nine of his career, he's getting a chance to go out and, uh, you know, be part of a contender. Um, but both of those guys are, you know, they, they have injury histories. I mean, Timothy Mozgov, another guy who um, was coming off an injury uh, or he had a surgery done over the summer. So he's been playing his way back into shape through camp. So, I mean, they got a lot of big guys who aren't exactly uh, entirely durable. So having a guy like Tristan up front, who's never missed a game in his career, knock on wood, right, um, <laughs> uh, who's, you know, a really elite rebounder. And the other thing that I think he's really – um, I don't think he always gets uh, a ton of credit with um, for uh, the non-basketball uh, diehard crowd is the fact that he's an unbelievably great pick-and-roll defender and, and somebody that can handle guards 
um, on switches and things like that. I, I noticed I, that a lot last year in the playoffs, and I think, I'm not sure how, but it seemed to go pretty much unnoticed yeah. just across the board. I noticed a lot of times with those switches where he'd end up on, on the point guard, and he defended it incredibly well, and a lot of times they'd have to settle for jumpers from the elbow. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I love his versatility. I think, personally, the biggest reason I'm okay with it, it's not my money. <laughs> <laughs> Until you it, go down to the casino and uh, when you try to go money. play. Uh, some of it's my money. But, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it beats the alternative. It was either they overpay for him or they don't have anyone that can fill that that role. So yeah. and when it, you look at the way the team's built, they're going. I mean, they're putting all their chips on the table. They're going all in now. There's really no reason not to spend that money. And what's the difference between 150 and 170 yeah. in terms of what their payroll is going to be? You know what uh, I mean? They're, they're pot committed, basically. Right. It's like you've yeah. spent this much. Why are you going to try to get cute and cut corners now when you're this close? Like, why would you spend all of that money and invest all those resources? I mean, they, they threw a huge contract to Kevin Love, uh, lock him up long-term. Kyrie last year they locked up long-term. I know LeBron's on the whole year-to-year deal, but, I mean, let's be honest, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, um, uh, Shumpert got a huge deal, uh, relatively speaking, that uh, I think it's a good deal for him. But, again, that's a lot of money getting thrown around. And, uh, yeah, it, it was one of those things. So I, I, I will say this, though, um, just getting back to the whole negotiation process and um, – the, the whole who's got leverage as easy as it is to sit here as like a, a third party and just a fan and say like all the leverages in the Cavs core here I, at the same time I still think the the Cavs GM Dave Griffin has just brass balls because like you 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 really have to I mean when you've got the other side of the table telling you we're going to just take your qualifying offer and then we're going to play the year unhappy and then we're bolting in free agency and then if you know they don't jump at that, and then it's well, we've got other teams that are willing to give us a max contract next summer. And again, you gotta show uh, some resolve and, and not blink. And just like no matter what little rumor came creeping out, the Cavs just never wavered. Sure, I think. I mean, I've been incredibly impressed with how Griffin's done pretty much everything, starting with uh, that trade in the middle of the season last year to get Smith and Shump and. Uh, Mozgo over here and everything he did this offseason um with jr uh opting out they kind of just held pat on him and they ended up getting him for a little bit less they kind of appeased him he got a little bit longer deal he'll make a little bit more money on less on a yearly basis yeah they, they locked up Shump. They, the way that he's just locked up these guys it seems like i mean the core of the team like the top one eight, nine, ten guys are all locked up long-term with the exception of, like, Mozgov. Right. And a lot of them are young guys that all have already bought in. They already know what their role is on the team, and it seems like there's no ambiguity around that. So the fact that he's been able to lock up all those guys um, for for the most part, pretty much what their market value is. Sure. Other than Other than Tristan, he hasn't really overpaid for a bunch of anybody. Yeah. It puts him in a great position, especially if that cap does go up. I think they'll we obviously don't know how much it's going to go up, but I think they'll probably have some breathing room once that happens too, where they can maybe go out there and improve even a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, it's not definite. The number I saw getting thrown around is that the, the cap's going to go up to 104 million. I think next year, that's what's being projected. And I, I think Tristan's number, while it looks high now, is going to end up looking 
a lot more reasonable a year from now. And what's really crazy to me is numbers that seem like fair market value for Kyrie and Kevin Love are going to seem like um, oh, they're going to seem like steals. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. no so question. that's great, and it's it's nice to be able to just sit back and uh, enjoy basketball this year. Um, oh yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> rather than start. like you know, why is Kevin Love moping and it, oh he's going to bolt after this year and 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 oh the, what does LeBron think about this and that and. Um, I know there's still going to be ups and downs throughout this year, but I just feel like so much stuff, so much off-the-court business was taken care of over this summer that it's just going to set the stage for such a better um, atmosphere for them to just relax and go out and play ball, which is just going to be nice. Sure, and I think I will say the one, I, I don't know if you can consider it a downside, but the one negative I see is the regular season is going to be pretty boring. I, you, I, you to a degree, I'm really okay with that. About, so, oh yeah, absolutely, because it doesn't really matter <laughs> until the playoffs start. But are you? Um, there might be a, a handful of like regular season games that you get interested in, just because I don't know they'll play like the Warriors or someone who is coming in hot, like they did last year. That was a big deal when they sure. came here. But for the most part, you're just going through the motions. They're guaranteed to make the playoffs. They're probably going to be a one seed, maybe a two. Even with giving guys like extended rest periods, like they did last year with LeBron, gave them those two weeks off, and and Caleb, and just all these guys, they would sit them down for just really no reason, just to give them a breather. Yeah. And you saw in the playoffs, I thought it paid off a lot. Obviously, some injuries came in, and those kind of defeated that. But I think the fact that they were fairly rested is is really the reason they were able to basically run over the whole Eastern Conference. Yeah, and, and I just I, I know some teams have been making some moves around the East, and certain people are trying to talk themselves into uh, certain teams, maybe trying to make a run and make it interesting. But like, I mean, come on, man let let's let's be honest here. The, the Cavs, it's it's a a six month training camp for them trying to just manage minutes and, and just get the get people feeling comfortable and get a rhythm going and make sure all the, the pieces are lined up um, once the playoffs uh, roll around in April. And if yeah. we have a few fun games between now and then, great. Cool. But, I think anyone, honestly, maybe it's just hubris on my part, but I think anyone other than the Cavs making the finals from the East would be absolutely shocking. Yeah. Like, I know some people are just pumping Miami up, and they've done a great job. I mean – as much as I hate Riley, they've done a good job <laughs> rebuilding that team in the, in a year. He's such a good as, villain, as much isn't as he? They could, he? He is. He's like uh, he's like the David Stern of of <laughs> of uh, GMs the front, in the NBA. Now that David Stern's gone, Riley's kind of filling that void. Yeah, we um, need to move him into the league office because Adam Silver is just uh, he's too a little li- too likable. <laughs> <laughs> he's a little vanilla, but <laughs> but I think I mean they're they're a solid team, but. I don't think anyone really considers them a legit threat. Dwayne Wade is his legs are like sixty years old. I don't. He's what thirty two or thirty three, but yeah, he's. I mean, he's so far gone that he's not. He'll 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 still have a big game here and there, but no one's really worried about him. No, no, and and I mean, I think if we were still in uh, peak Dwayne Wade time, he would. Uh, you know, I, I, our, uh, our our guy LeBron might still be on South Beach for all we oh, know. So yeah. I mean, you saw the writing on the wall down there, and yeah. Uh, yeah. D Wade got his three rings, which, when you think about it, is pretty impressive. I mean, sure. He was sure. he's been a good player. I don't know that he's ever. I th- I think even in his peak, he was a little overrated, probably. But 
his that one finals performance he had was pretty dominant, but he I mean he's pretty much past his prime, obviously. Um I gotta Bosch, be honest, he's still solid, but he uh Dwayne Wade, even in his prime, I, I like watching great players on other teams. Like I, I love watching Dirk Nowitzki. Um I I've uh I, I've grown to admire the Spurs. I it took me a long time to get over the O seven finals and the way they just kinda took us to the woodshed for four games, but um I, I, I like the way they play. Dwayne Wade, I I can't stand his game and I haven't been able to, to like watching him and I didn't like him before LeBron went down there. Once he recruited LeBron down there, I, I disliked him even more and now that we have a chance to watch the Cavs hopefully uh, knock them around um, in a situation where it counts, I, I would take great joy in that. So I hope we see them next spring. That would be great. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. I mean, they've, I mean they're kind of a glue factory team. They got Amari, <laughs> Amari Stoudemire, I think, is down there now. That's right. I forgot. Uh, Chris Anderson, obviously. Who knows what the hell he's doing. <laughs> but, I mean, they're kind of a molly crew of guys that are at none of which are in their peak. And they're all at various levels of decline. So, yeah. I mean, they'll be they'll be a good team in the East, but in terms of the overall picture, I wouldn't consider them a threat at all. I'm not sure why people are really so high on them, but no, they got one guy, uh, Hassan Whiteside, the uh, the, the, the center. center, the big yeah, kid. Yeah, he's on the uh, he's he's on the way up, but uh, yeah, he's a good I, player. He's I mean, he's good a for a bit of an un- unknown and unproven commodity. Still, I think. I mean, he also definitely... a bit of a head case. Yeah, I mean, he definitely showed the the skill set last year, but I mean, we got to see more um, over a longer period than what we got last year. So oh, I mean, yeah, he'll no be a guy to keep an eye on. But yeah, overall, hey, just switching gears with the Cavs for a minute here. Um, Dan Gilbert, I don't know, did you see his tweet last night before the uh, the wine and gold uh, season ticket holder meeting about the uniforms? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was pretty fun. I um, like them. Yeah, so th- then they actually did unveil the uh the, the three new alternates so yeah i was really hoping we wouldn't go with the t-shirt look oh I yeah hate it. i just think it's hideous it i think awful. that would look okay as a jersey i guess i just hate the t-shirt look here's the thing i i, I think about it and i think that was more um something that was i don't know this for a fact i don't have any inside information but I strongly suspect that was something that was forced on them or or strongly suggested by Adidas who was looking to they they've really been trying to push the uh the sleeved look as much as they can. They've kind of shoehorned it into the All-Star game a couple of times. I know when uh LeBron was down in in Miami, they they had the Heat wear a couple different versions of it and LeBron was actually one of the most outspoken critics against it. He said it affected his shooting. So on that alone, I I, I strongly doubt that the Cavs would be like, "Hey, guess what we're going to roll out for this year." You remember those sh- those uh uh sleeved uh, jerseys that you hate so much? Yeah, guess what? We're going to give you a new one. So um, and the, and the fact that they've got a black one, I just, it, I, it just doesn't fit at all. Like no, nothing about it re- really makes no, sense. And God bless like the, the Cavs, God bless the Cavs marketing department for coming up with the gymnastics to uh, try to tie that together to the fact that they wore black jerseys in the nineties. But like, let's be honest, there was really nothing from that era to be celebrating. Um, no. so no, I, I, I don't I mean, know. I don't mind. I kind of like the yellow one. Yeah. I think you know, it's a little bit of overkill. Personally, you know what's funny know about that? Seven jerseys, but yeah, yeah, the the the, uh, the, the throwback one, the, the the gold one there. They actually wore that same throwback design in LeBron's second year 
with the Cavs um, the first go around. So I guess that would have been oh four oh five, I think. Really? So yeah, I remember and it as I, a blue one. I remember it as a blue one with that like piping on the side, and I remember. I think I remember like a red one. I don't remember it as yellow though. Yeah, and and as a matter of fact, I I still have a Swingman version of that in my closet that's in. Uh, pristine condition so i'm that bad boy yeah i said this is the first time we've got uh throwback throwbacks so (laughs) that's exciting do you think so going real quick going back to the t-shirt design thing do you think that's just more of like a a a merchandising it's easier to sell it when it's a t-shirt design than it is a jersey i think that's absolutely what they're um hoping for that's what they're hoping for i think the the theory being that People don't want to wear tank tops, and they end up putting T-shirts under them. Let's so see. Let's go sell them an eighty-dollar T-shirt. Yeah. So here, I have two thoughts on those things. Number one, I think they'd make a fine shooting shirt for warm-ups. Um, if you loosen no... them up a little bit. Yeah, but that leads me to the second thing about them is like if you look at the way those things are cut, like okay, you want something with sleeves, that's fine. But like they've got such a weird fit on them. Yeah. I still don't think most people are going to want to wear those and buy them at retail. They just, if they were cut more like a soccer Jersey or something like that, something a little bit more traditional, like maybe it would. It yeah. Would... But it's just, I mean, it's just like football jerseys though, too. They'll, they'll be yeah. cut one way for the players and then they'll cut that's it true. a normal way for the ones that they're going to sell. Yeah. I just, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm generally anti-Jersey as it is. I know you are. You, you're, you're very anti-Jersey. You know. I, uh, I I have not really uh, bought a whole lot of uh, jerseys in the last couple of years, although I got to tell you that the third alternate that uh, that they unveiled with the, the wine and gold, um, but with the 80s uh, Cavs ball in the hoop in the V uh, logo, uh, version. Oh, it's, um, it's sharp. There's no that, question about it. I, I said, I, as soon as I saw that, I, I saw like a, a, a sketch of that floating around over the summer. I said, that thing is going to be a license to print money for the team shop because like all the hardcore uh, Cavs people that I follow on Twitter were just doing absolute backflips about that thing. Oh, yeah. It, it just, I think it hits that perfect nostalgia for people that are our age, just remembering like the Doherty Price, uh, Nance. Uh, era cabs but then you've got like the modern colors so yeah i just that thing is fantastic so yeah um yeah all right I so, so i mean yeah I, that's all it is it's just for more money yeah <laughs> and, just, and, it's three new designs they can throw out there and see if, what what sort of coin they can make off it to pay these salaries i guess yeah seven uniforms for for one season that is that's just, pretty excessive it it's nuts so Hey, speaking of uh, teams wearing uh, alternate uniforms, uh, there was uh, another team that is of particular interest to you um, that was wearing uh, an alternate uniform this past Saturday night. Yeah, they Uh, marched Rutgers out there for some reason. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, holy Buckeye, uh, what what did you you take away from uh, Ohio State here? uh, I like the product on the field a lot more than I like the uniforms, I'll say that. Um, Yeah. I like the way I just thought they looked sharper. I think in general, we've kind of noticed it with this team. Even last year, they kind of slept walked at times. Um, but they have this weird knack for if it's a big game, it's a night game, the lights are on, a lot of people are watching, or it's a championship game, or whatever the case is, for whatever reason, they seem to ramp up their intensity at these at the most opportune times, which is, which is great, but it also leads you to these questions at the beginning of the season with your Northern Illinois where you're scraping by and you're not looking nearly as good as people expect you to look. Um, so I think 
personally, I'm of the mindset that if they win, they win. That's I'm not going to worry about how they win yet. Um, I'll save that for the end of the season, I guess. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. We're in year two of the the playoff system, and last year, going into it the first time, I was really interested in following along with every beat writer and every national columnist putting out like their weekly, here's the four teams that are in, just to kind of, as everybody was trying to figure out like what's going to be the criteria, what's going to be the formula to figure out who's getting in. And I haven't been nearly as interested in that this year because at the end of the day, like right now, it like I can guarantee you anybody, nobody's got the four teams picked right now that are going to end up in there at the end of the year. And I, all these people, there's like you, 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 people are trying to just, you know, drum up some attention for, for their column, get some clicks. And they're saying like, Oh, you know, Ohio state's number one in the AP poll right now, but I don't have them in my playoff four. it's like, just stop. Okay. I I don't care what the margin of victory has been. Uh, If you are any power five conference champ and you go undefeated, you're not going to get left out of the playoff. There, I'm sorry. It's just if you go, if you run the table and you're in one of the big five conferences, especially if you're the defending national champion, and I understand that really shouldn't play into it, but, but it does. Let's, I mean, let's be honest. No one's it, proven that they're better than you. Yeah, there's human beings that are picking this thing, and they all watch football, and they're all watching football last year. And if Ohio State, I'm telling you right now, if they run the table, there's no way in hell they're being left out of it. Now, if they lose a game sometime between now and the end of the year, yeah, it's going to be real tough for them. Sure, absolutely. But, yeah, whether they're winning every week by a field goal or they're winning by 30, I mean, especially right now. And the other thing with that, like what? What I, I just you know people are like, well, you know, you look at what TCU is doing to to the teams they're playing and, and everybody else. Like that's great, but you're not going to win a championship in in late September and early October. Like I, I just I think psychologically you're only going to be able to really get your team to peak for you know three or four games a year maybe. Like why there's no need to be going uh, you know balls to the wall now if you don't have to against what you know is inferior competition. And I know you're going to play hard, but yeah, you know, just little stat you might like to hear though. Yes. Ohio state number six in the country in margin of victory. Really? There's only five teams outscoring people by more than them. One's Houston. One's Appalachian state Toledo. Um, Baylor's obviously number one. They're just barnstorming everybody. Sure. But, I mean, Ohio State's outscoring their opponents by more than your Florida State's, by more than TCU, and the competition's pretty comparable. So, yeah, they're not coming out out of the gates, getting big leads and building on them, but when the games are over, they're pretty convincing, with the exception of Northern Illinois. That's a a phenomenal stat. I never in a million years would have pegged that. That's... uh... That's good stuff. Yeah, I saw that the other day, and I was like, yeah, it's a little surprising, but when you look at how they've actually won the games, in the second halves of those games, they're running on all cylinders, and they're pulling away from those teams. And people are looking, they're saying, because there's, I mean, they see the halftime score. They see, oh, they're down at halftime, or oh, they're only up a touchdown, or whatever the case is. I'm like, oh, Ohio State's struggling. And maybe they're just kind of playing around. Yeah, and I just... They're just one of those teams that I think that they're they just the way they're built is to just grind you 
into dust by the end of the game. They're going to outlast you. They're, they're not going to boat race you out of the gate, but you're, you just, you can't hang with them forever. And I just, right. the perfect example of that was their first game of the year against Vatek. And I know like the first half, like they were, it was back and forth. And then that third quarter uh, came out and, you know, they came out in the third quarter and that whole second half, I mean, it's just like, all right, now we get team. Right. Yeah. Now we go to school. So, right. and I What's think, the, I think, I think the change to Barrett's going to be huge in terms of just consistency and stability. I think if they had gone all in with Cardale, it would have been a little different. I think they probably would have had more confidence in him that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they probably would have run, a, the offense would have run a little bit better. I think personally, the biggest thing, they don't have a Devin Smith this yeah. year. You saw those last three games of the year. A lot of what Card- Cardio looked good, and a lot of it was, I'm going to throw the ball real far, and I got this guy who is incredible at tracking the ball down the field and catching it. Yes. They don't have that guy. It was supposed yeah, he, to be Noah Brown this the, year. He needs the He's deep threat. Four two forty guy that's running down the sidelines past everybody that he can just throw one out there and have him go get it. Right, and they have quick guys, mm-hmm. but those are the guys that you need to get them the ball 10, 15 yards downfield, accurate pass, let them work with the ball in their hands in space. And Cardell's just not, I mean, you just see him, he misses these wide open guys because he's, it's just not his style of play. Like, he's not great at carving up a defense with those pinpoint accurate short passes like JT is incredible at so yeah. it'll be exciting to see I think once now that the keys are 100% in his hands how the offense moves I, I personally I think last year was a great indicator of what we can do I will say that I think this might be kind of a crazy thought but I think if Barrett had not gotten hurt against Michigan I'm not sure we steamroll Wisconsin the way we did and I'm not sure we would have gotten past Alabama just because they would have had so much tape on it. I think the way, because the offense changed so much against those teams. Oh, he was the, Cardale was the secret weapon then. Right. It was like, oh, well, we haven't seen them throw the ball like this. We haven't seen them run the ball this way. We haven't seen a guy that's this physical of a runner and just run over people. Barrett was a completely different style player, and that's all that they had tape on. So, I personally, I think JT Barrett getting hurt last year may have been the best thing for them despite the fact that he was playing incredibly well. I mean, and he's probably the better overall option. It just worked out really well, the way those circumstances, I think, fell into place. It is amazing to me how they were able to really change their identity, let alone at that juncture of the year. Just on the fly. Yeah, against the hardest competition that they were going to see the entire season. Yep. Uh, I guess that's why Urban gets paid the big bucks. Yeah, no kidding. I guess... (laughs) highest salary uh, state of Ohio employee, so yeah, well, that'll do it, right? But I, you know, I think win the championships, on that investment's pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's legit, he's and I, I, I know uh, people get um, angry when they're not up by 30 points in, in before the first TV timeout, but I, I think he's doing fine, and I think he's got them uh, doing fine, Um and, and they'll be there at the end of the year. I, yeah. I think those last couple of regular season games, I think they're really going to have, if you look at it, what they would need to, to do in order to repeat. It would basically be you'd have to beat Sparty. You'd have to beat Michigan. You'd have to win the the Big Ten title game. Looking like that's prob- going to be Iowa at this point. Yeah, so it's it's else. weird in that like a conference championship is probably going to be the, the easiest of your final five games, right. in that, including the two playoffs. So. Sure. 
you know, they got a lot of work in front of them. But, um, you know, uh, speaking of uh, Sparty and Michigan, we, we need to go back uh, to last weekend. Um, where were you? I know I texted you. Full disclosure. Did yeah. not see it. No. Did not see it. Really? I was, so I was down in Columbus last week. Me and my girlfriend went down there. She was doing the half marathon on yeah. Sunday. So we were like, we're going to go grab dinner. We were at dinner watching the game. We were just sitting there, and it got down, I think, probably 30 to 45 seconds were left. And we were going to go meet up with a few of my friends for the Ohio State game at, uh, over on campus. Yeah. So 30 to 45 seconds left. I'm just, okay, this one's over. Let's cash out and head out. Let's go grab a cab. I was in a car watching, like, refreshing the score, and my, one of my friends texted me. He's like, holy shit, you wouldn't believe what just happened. <laughs> and I'm like, no way. you got to be messing with me. I'm refreshing. I'm like, there's no way this actually happened. So I watched it, like, three or four minutes later when I got to the bar. Incredible. It, the most yeah. couldn't happen to a better group. I, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was watching it on my tablet sitting in the living room. My, uh, my daughter was watching, uh, something on the TV and, uh, yeah, <laughs> she is. And, uh, and, and my wife was in there and they were, they were playing on the floor and I'm sitting on the couch kicking back and I'm kind of at that point. I'm, I mean, I, I was, I would say half paying attention. I mean, I was still watching it just because I'm like, all right, let, let's just for posterity here. Just on the on the one in in a thousand chance that something goofy happens here, let let's see it. And I got to tell you, like just the way that that whole thing unfolded, it was just like multiple levels of crazy. There was like first he, he the the punter fumbles the snap, which is wild enough, and you're thinking like he's going to pick this thing up, and then he's just going to get tackled on the spot, and Michigan State's going to get the ball. But then he like flips it up in the air. This and, weird like backwards pass right to the defender right and then you got that defender <laughs> who's just like right on the spot in stride picks it up and he's off to the races and it's like oh my god he's gonna run and he's gonna have uh he's gonna get them right into field goal range and, and this is gonna be you know they're gonna be right there and then he just kept running and he kept running and at that point i'm like he better get to the goal line because or he's, go the, down. The, I was thinking yeah, because the clock's about to run out yeah. here, so they're not going to be able to. They're get, not going to be, have, yeah, be able to kick him like at the one with no time left. Yeah, like how brutal would that be? Right. So then, yeah, he gets he he, he makes it. He gets all the way to the goal line. Pandemonium! All hell breaks loose down there. And then you find out, like after the game's over, in the celebration pileup, I think it was the kid broke his hip, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they, I guess if you're going to like him this week and he said, yeah, all he remembers is he got over the goal line and then like three minutes of pain, like, yeah, he just got piled on. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, that sucks. If you're going to have a season ending injury, I cannot imagine a better scenario it's to go down in ways you can do it. Yeah, I mean, that that's 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 going down a warrior, I guess. But okay. yeah, that's that's brutal. I Did you see the alternate um, uh footage of that somebody was recording it on the back like of the end zone yeah, yeah. that was awesome that is you could just that, the crowd and then you could like hear all those players like the the players just individual voices like yelling and screaming and i unfortunately i think you actually heard the the poor guy who uh had his hip injured but uh what a wild scene no insane and that punter like that's what he can i mean i don't I'll give him credit i saw his, like an interview with him this week and he he handled it like a pro like he had a had all the right answers, took it on himself, didn't 
try to make any excuse out. I mean, because obviously what excuse are you going to make? But he handled as well as you would expect a college kid to handle something like that, I thought. Um, yeah. Kind of frustrating. I mean, you always hear this crap, but, like, yeah, Michigan fans are calling him, giving him, like, death threats and stuff like that. It's People forget it's a game, I guess, which is annoying. Mich- I'm not going to pile on Michigan for that because I know Ohio State fans, they've had their their – less than proud moments but i mean you see that crap all the time it's that's awful good for the kid though for manning up and going out there and saying what he needed to say yeah he handled it well and and um yeah you put it perfectly that's just i mean i i don't know why in god's name um people would send death threats and, and god knows what else to anybody on on social over sports, let alone a college kid who's like 19 or 20 years old. And yeah, like, I've, I've, I've talked calm about down. share of trash on the internet. It's well, yeah. well documented, but it's not like, it's never personal. And if you, there's, there's a pretty clear cut line as to when something is, is okay. Yeah. And you're way out of line. And yeah. I mean, there's a huge difference between saying like, my team's going to run you off the field this weekend and you're horrible, hey, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Hey, that's I hope fun. you die in a fire. You know, yeah. that's <laughs> disgusting. Like it's, it's bad. It's, it's, and I, I can't wrap my head around it because I get as emotionally invested in games as anybody. Yeah. And I can never imagine like hitting send on that. Going to that place. Right. Yeah. Saying that yeah. and not, it not dawning on me like, no, you can't say that. That's not acceptable. So yeah. I always like when they pull like articles together, just like calling these people out. People, yes. you know, they say it and they think no one's ever going to see it except the kid or whatever. Right. And someone pulls like, they always have these articles of basically just a bunch of tweets that people pulled together. Oh yeah. And I know like there are sports media personalities who have had to take a lot of abuse like Michelle Beadle. I remember, um, she got hit with something um, by some kid that actually was like a, I think like a college baseball player or something, and um, the kid ended up losing his scholarship for it. So yeah, I vaguely remember that. I can't remember yeah. what it was, but yeah, yeah. I just I, I have a hard time having sympathy for for when you lose your scholarship when you're doing something so eminently preventable right. as sending hate speech over the internet. Right. So. So, don't, just don't yeah, do that. I'm with you. Hey, hey speaking of bad, um, let's talk about the Browns. <laughs> they're they're bad. <laughs> Their defense is bad. Who would have um, thought, like this point in the season, we'd be saying, "Yeah, the offense actually looks okay. The defense is incompetent. Um, the passing game's been pretty dangerous, but they can't run the ball for shit." No, no, it's <laughs> I, it's I incredible. I can't figure it out because, like. Everything about the way they went about building their roster in the offseason and the way these games are actually playing out could not be more uh, two trains further away in the night. It's just so bizarre to me, like the way they're going about it. And, you know, like I've given I've made plenty of jokes at uh, Josh McCown's expense. But you know what? Like, God bless him for what he is. I'm actually he's done a reasonably decent job um the game in in San Diego I thought he paid, played pretty well um the uh, the game in Baltimore um I, I I'll be honest I didn't see every play of that I was uh getting ready for some uh we had company coming over that day but from what I had seen you know he was uh he was lighting it up that day too I think he set a franchise record for regular season passing yards in a game but 
Um, I, I really do feel like the the Broncos game was pretty much like the real. That, that that's about the baseline what you should be um, counting on from him. It's probably pretty close, especially with these weapons. A few good throws, you know, mostly serviceable and just couple crush mistakes your fingers and, and pray to God that you know his his inevitable couple of mistakes are going to just not break your back. And I felt like he had a couple of them, and I know they it wasn't all on him, and I'm not saying it was, but like that fourth quarter. Um, the interception where he like was rolling out to the right and threw it all the way back into like a mess of defenders on the far sideline. I'm just like, as soon as that ball left his hand, I'm like, what in God's name are you doing? And that one, they actually, they got away with it because they still got into overtime. But the one to me that was, that was worse was the, uh, the overtime when Mingo uh, picked off the pass, got them down to the, and they immediately go three plays backwards. Right. So like they run the, the the play to turban for a loss. And then, and then where he just killed them was taking like back to back sacks. Like you can't, you got to get rid of the ball there and throw it away or do something. And like, it just totally t- took them right out of the, the the field goal range, and it just that that was again just you can't have that, and and it's but again but you know what like that if that's your guy you you gotta you gotta put that into the budget for the month because you know that's gonna be coming at some point. Oh yeah, and I mean you're if if you see the production that he's had, with the exception of probably the last game, that's. You're, I mean, that's you're playing with house money at that point. No one expected him sure. to be putting up those sort of numbers. I think he had, I mean, he went over, I want to say 350, all three games, Oakland, uh, San Diego, and Baltimore, and yeah. a couple touchdowns, wasn't making killer mistakes. I think he had, I don't think he threw any interceptions against Baltimore or San Diego. And he's moving the ball, but your defense is giving you nothing. Yeah. And your it, running it, game's giving you nothing. Yeah, he's he's started to depend on Duke Johnson a little bit, which I like to see him passing that way. And obviously, Barnage has been an incredible uh, surprise. But yeah, I like what they're doing with Duke, um, getting him the ball out of the backfield and on the little short space. passes and stuff like that. And it's right. like I, I can live with fewer traditional rushing yards if if the running backs are still getting yards in other ways. And I do think Turbin, a couple of carries that made me think, like, okay, he might be serviceable, might be able to get you something this year. So I was confused uh, by the way they used him. It seemed like they were in, like, short yard situations where they should have been handing him the ball off to run up the middle, and they're running, like, stretch plays where he's going outside. They're running sweeps, and it just confused me. I'm not sure why they were – what the point was there. He yeah, didn't seem sure like the they guy know what the point was plays. either, but, <laughs> Valid you know. Point. Yeah, um, but you know, speaking of running games, the the opposing running games, um, the the Browns have had a propensity this year, despite all of their uh, uh, financial investments and picks and everything else. They they seem to have a knack for making uh, opposing running backs um, look very very good. I, I saw a stat that um, this came from uh, uh, Cleve T A C L E V T A on uh, Twitter, who's a great follow for people he he said that if you look at the numbers right now the browns are essentially allowing uh 28 higher uh yards per carry uh to starting running backs um compared to what they produce versus non-browns defenses 
And oh. I think Todd Gurley is already carrying it for like 5.7 yards per, per carry. He's so, turned it on the last two weeks big time. Yeah. You know, I got to tell you, like I – I watched a lot of Todd Gurley games in college. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I will tell you that uh, um, a former coworker, a friend of mine, she actually went to Georgia and is like the biggest uh, super fan um, for that program that you're ever going to meet. And uh, just so I had something to talk about at the office on Mondays, I found myself starting to at least watch some of uh, Georgia games quite a bit uh, over the last few years. And Gurley was one of my favorite players to watch anywhere in college. Um, just the way he, he ran the ball and, and just hitting the hole and, and, and breaking tackles and everything else. And um, I just watching that guy. I'm really uh, – excited to see him bounce back this year because the injury that he had in the middle of last year. Oh, absolutely um, brutal. That just, that sucked. I mean, you, you don't want to see that happen to a, a kid. And, uh, you know, I was kind of worried that like, that would be one of those injuries that like, you're never really quite right from. But uh, I mean, I haven't really, I'll be honest, I'm not watching St. Louis Rams games this year. Um, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say pretty much nobody outside of the city of St. Louis is watching St. Louis Rams games this year. Even those, I think you're going to have a hard time finding people there. Yeah, which is probably why they're not going to be the St. Louis Rams next year. Which um, I still think sucks. I mean, yeah, I honestly don't think L.A. is the place to put it. If you want to move them, okay. But people in L.A. just don't care. They're not going to yeah, get behind I mean, them. You've tried this before. It doesn't work. Yeah, I, I do think there there is a, a, a base of people there that probably still remember the old Rams when, when they were playing in uh, in Anaheim that uh, would welcome them back. Um, but, yeah, it, it it's weird. I, I don't really know what's happening there. It feels like the, the, the smart money would be on them moving there along with the Chargers, I guess. That's so and then, weird. Yeah, and then there. I know I've heard some talk that Oakland might end up going and taking over St. Louis, which to me is the weirdest thing of all. Like you gotta, you gotta call that bizarre. team something else because like you, you can't have the St. Louis Raiders. That's just, right. That's not happening. Right. It's like the uh, uh, Los Angeles Lakers, which has has worked just fine, but yeah, it made a lot more yeah. sense when they were in, <laughs> when they were in Minneapolis. Utah Jazz is another one, I right. guess. But you know, you just. That, that that can't happen, but you know, I one thing I, I, just... I, I have to say the Raiders have to stop playing on a damn baseball field. <laughs> How is that still going on in 2015? They're it, they're the only ones now. It's incredible, and yeah. It, it, it's weird in that, like, now it's almost become this fun novelty, and that, like, oh, you get to go watch the uh, the team play on the baseball field, but, but... it's horrible. It is. It's ridiculous. You can't it's, roll a turf field in there for the games. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know, man. But I. I think one way or another, that's probably not going to be a problem for them for much longer because they're they're probably going to be out of there. And whether they get moved down uh, down the coast over to L.A. or they go to St. Louis, or I know they their owner and his god awful haircut were uh, in uh, San Antonio talking to some people there for a while that'd but... be an interesting one i hadn't even heard that yeah yeah that i i, I think that was a, another one that one seems probably like the least likely option right of anything but but we'll see so yeah anyway um 
cover your eyes and pray for the Browns defense uh, against Todd Gurley this weekend. And if you have him in fantasy, uh, enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, you could just uh, go ahead and put your feet up. You can just and, park um, him in the RB1 spot for this week. Yeah, yeah, that that, that seems like free money. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, you watch him go for like 30 yards this weekend, and I'll remember why I haven't played fantasy in about five <laughs> years. But Yeah, but everybody's doing that. I know, He's I the know. big name this week, it seems like. Yeah, fair. All right, hey, listen, we are just about at 45 minutes, which is kind of the long end for how long I uh, I was thinking we might go. So this kind of flew by. It did. Might, yeah. might adjust the time down the road. Yeah. Pretty no, easy. It, yeah, this was this was good. So, hey, just to uh, uh, wrap it up here and put a bow on this, um, everybody out there, if you're, uh, if you're still listening, thank you. Uh, hope you will tune in for the next one. Um, we'll probably be back sometime early next week uh, looking at uh, football from over the weekend. I know the Cavs will be starting on Tuesday night. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can always check us out on, uh, on the blog um, where all the podcasts are going to be housed. Uh, nail in the coffin, cle.blogspot.com. Uh, Travis set up our Twitter account uh, at the nail podcast. And uh, we will be very soon on uh, iTunes as well, if uh, we're not already by the time you're listening to this. Travis, any parting words? No, that's it. We'll talk to you next week. All right. This is The Nail in the Coffin. Uh, Talk to you soon. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.